Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. I dare say, I won't even say it. You're going to hear one of the best messages you ever heard. <laughs> so that's a little arrogant. No. No. You got to understand it's all about God. It really is all about him. Amen. I want to I want to minister a message this morning. Um this actually is going to be a series and <clears throat> this is something that I've ministered on before but I felt that it was extremely appropriate, uh, appropriate for the season we're in and in light of the sermon that I preached uh, last week. If you were here last week and you heard our sermon, you, you remember that this was a sermon that God gave me in a very short amount of time. It was kind of a download from heaven, if I can say that. You know, one of those moments where God just, boom, does it. And it was about faith, and it was really about the activation of faith or the exercise of faith, how we actually apply faith in our lives. And, you know, to be honest with you, I got thinking about that, that sermon and, and thinking about uh, just the dynamics of that sermon. And, and you know, it's, it, there's a key in it. There is something in it that we, that we must hear and we must, we must embrace is that there, there is something for us to do. And what I mean by that is that I think in this generation that we live in, oftentimes because there is such entitlement and you know, much of the things in life are done for us, and we almost have that expectation, and so that kind of flows into Christianity in the sense that it's like, okay, I prayed, or I, I did this, or I did that, and it's just, God's just got to make it happen, you know, and, and I'm not going to do anything. But the reality is we need to do. We, you know, there's a friend of mine that, that has uh, been struggling for a while, and, and, and he has a very common um, demeanor and outlook. He absolutely believes God will move for you. Amen. But he's not so sure God will move for him. And I find that that is a very common mindset. And the reason that is, is because oftentimes the energy and the strength that it takes to uh, um, get involved or to embrace in faith sometimes is lacking in our lives because we just haven't made a lifestyle. It's not that we're sinister or evil or bad or, or that we're sinners or anything like that. It's just the fact that what happens is oftentimes we don't exercise we don't exercise our faith and we, we don't do that. But you have to realize this morning and we have to understand that we must get involved. Can you say amen? There, there must be an intentionality that we need to be dedicated to the cause and, and deliberate. We need to step out. It's like, why did you ask us to come to the altar? Because that's you getting out of the boat. Okay, look at, and, and I'm going to just kind of go on here just for a moment before we get to the, to the sermon. It's just like anything in life. Let me, we, we preach all the time, and I'm kind of just going to get on a pet peeve here for a moment. Okay, we, we, we preach all the time about worship. Okay, worship is fundamental to the Christian. It's not because God's in heaven insecure about who he is and he needs, you know, us to come along and pump him up. But God gave us the, the gift of worship so that we could enter into his presence. 
so that we could be with him, so that he could allow us to become intimate with him. But oftentimes what happens is we get into situations and unless we are emotionally moved, we don't enter in. We have got to be able to enter in beyond the emotional. It's all great and well. I love it when I'm emotional. I love it when God moves on me and I cry and, you know, I got tears and snot blowing in every direction. I love that. But there are times when I'm just not necessarily feeling it. It's in those times that it's more critical that I actually enter in. Because it's in those times that I'm more vulnerable. And so what we have to do is we have to make a decision. So when we're in church, that's why a lot of people say, well, why, why do you want it loud? Why do you want it boisterous? Why do you want it active? Because see, look at, watch this. Right. <laughs> that's not worship. <laughs> Think of it this way. Think, okay, just for instance, and I'm going to just get on it just for a moment and I'll get off and then, and then you can... I dare say, even the most conservative person here, which I don't know who you are, but I'm sure you're here, the most conservative person, if somebody came in and told you that you just won $100 million and you never have to worry about money again, I doubt that you would go, that's nice. Man, wow, you know, I'm I'm glad I'm, I'm, I'm glad. I'm, I'm overwhelmed with joy. No, we wouldn't do that. I mean, it wouldn't even take $100 million. Buy me lunch, and I'm overwhelmed. It's like, yes, I get, I get lunch. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. When your football team is winning, you're up on your feet in your living room acting like a goofball. Or... When the spelling bee, I don't know what you're into, but whoever, whatever is your thing, it moves you. And when it moves you, you engage. Well, God needs to move you. Amen. And that is as much a part, as much our responsibility as it is his. Come on. There has to be a decision. And oftentimes what we do is we get into church and we wonder, why am I not getting more out of this? You get out of it what you put into it. So when I got thinking about this sermon on faith that I did last week, I really began to think about this, invading the impossible. We, we already seen it. We, that's why I had that altar call is because there are impossibilities for us. We're facing situations and difficulties and, <clears throat> and problems. And, and there, you know, all of us would agree this morning that there is an area of our life where we're desperate for God to move. Amen? No one is exempt from that reality. Whether, you know, it's we're facing circumstances or problems or situations or whatever it is. We're, 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 we're facing those moments and we don't know what to do. And now some of us are better at hiding it than others. Some of us you would never know. Because we got the buzzwords down. How you doing? Oh, praise the Lord, doing good. Is everything okay? Oh yeah, absolutely. Jesus is blessing me. And that's great. 
And it's great to say that, and we should say that. I'm not, I'm not coming against that. But I'm simply saying that oftentimes, those words can hide a reality inside of us that unless we, we do something about it, that reality will never go away. The question is, can we in those moments expect relief? Can we expect change? Is there hope for us? See, when the doctor gives us a bad report or when finances are running low or where conflict in the home carries on and on, is there something we can look to that will make a difference? And the answer is absolutely yes. There is an answer. Our Father in heaven has given us a great privilege and tool that we can use, and it's called prayer. Now, I know at that point, some of you just checked out. Because I, I, you know, to be honest with you, I have heard a thousand sermons on prayer. I'll, I'll be honest, I, I've read books on prayer, I have heard sermons on prayer, I've prayed on and on and on and on, and there's all this stuff about prayer, and sometimes it just seems to fall so flat. I don't know about you, but sometimes in me it falls so flat. But I want to tell you, prayer this morning is the secret to a breakthrough. Prayer is a secret to breakthrough. Now, I've talked about this before. It doesn't matter what area of your life, whether it's marriage or family or relationships or your job or your finances or health, whatever area of your life, you have a need for a breakthrough. And we wonder, is there something that can make a difference in this area? And the truth there is, and there is a secret in the word of God. It's not really so secret, but because of our demeanor and because of our perspective, oftentimes it remains hidden, but it's really not so hidden. But it is something that will overcome obstacles and hindrances. It is something that will blow past difficulties and stumbling blocks. It will, it will remove limitations and hindrances in our lives. And it's called prayer. Yes. Jack Hayford, who I absolutely love. I love Jack Hayford. He is kind of my gold standard for theology and all things Bible. He's just had such an incredible ministry over 60-some years of pastoring and, and just the years of pastoring and teaching and building churches and, and ministering to leaders throughout the world. He has just had this dynamic, and he says this about prayer. He says, the impossible faces us all. It storms, it fumes, it looms before us, it stalks our days, it presses upon our minds, it bends our plans, it stands formidably across our future. It pierces our present, it reaches out from the past, but there is a way to face impossibility. He says, invade it. Not with glib speech or high hopes, not in anger, not through stoical self-control, but with violence. And he says, prayer provides the vehicle for this kind of violence. He goes on and he says this, prayer is not the mystical experience of a few special people, but an aggressive act in the face of impossibility. It is an act that may be performed by anyone who accepts the challenge. Listen to what I'm saying. Prayer will make the difference in your life. Prayer is invading the impossible. 
Now I want you to turn over with me to 1 Chronicles chapter 14. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. And this is an incredible story that we need to get our minds around. There's some truth in this story that we need to pay attention to. It says, now when the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over all Israel, all the Philistines went up to search for David. And David heard of it and went out against them. Then the Philistines went and made a raid on the valley of Rephirim. And David inquired of God, saying, Shall I go up against the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hand? And the Lord said, Go up, for I will deliver them into your hand. So they went up to Baal-perazim, and David defeated them there. Then David said, God has broken through my enemies by my hand like a breakthrough of water. Therefore, they called the name of that place Baal-perazim, and when they left their gods there, David gave a commandment that they were to be burned with fire. Now, notice this morning what David did when his enemies came against him. Notice what he did when he encountered a barrier. Look what happens. Look what David does when he's hindered, when his enemies rose up against him. He inquired of the Lord. He prayed. Now, I want you to think about this for a moment, because we, we, we need to appreciate this portion of Scripture um, in the context of who David was. David was a great warrior. Yes. David, from a very young age, we know that when he was just a teenager, he took on Goliath, and he won. We know that he took on the bear and the lion. We know that God gave that to him. We know that even from his youth, David was a man that knew how to fight. He had gone through many battles before. He became the, 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 the captain over mighty men, and these guys were bad to the bone. I mean, these are the guys that it talks about in the Bible that one of his mighty men jumped into a pit with a lion on a snowy day. Yeah. And you got to ask yourself, why? <laughs> and really, the, really, if you want to know the truth, he did it because he was wanting to build a resume so that he could be David's bodyguard. Yeah. I mean, you know, when you go interview a bodyguard and you say, well, what kind of things have you done? He goes, well, I jumped in a pit with a lion on a snowy day. Let me tell you something. Even on a good day, the lion has the advantage. Yeah. Are, you, are you hearing what I'm saying? And one of his men, it, it says that he killed so many Philistines with the, with the sword that the sword actually cleaved to his hand. I mean, like 200 I mean, these guys were pretty, these were bad to the bone dudes. And David becomes a captain. Why? Because he's a warrior. He's a strategist. He's a, he's a general. He, he knows what to do. No one probably better than him understood battle and the ways of battle more than him. But what does David do? He prays and he gets the mind of God. Amen. Think about this. When his enemies came in, he didn't consult other generals. He didn't go to his best friend. He didn't get on Facebook or Instagram. He didn't find a priest. He got alone with God and asked him, what shall I do? What do you want me to do, God? This is the very thing that Jesus did. In Luke chapter 5, verse 16, it says, So he, talking about Jesus himself, often withdrew and went into the wilderness and prayed. 
This is where our power comes from, church. Listen, this is where prayer is where all of those things, that, that declaration, that thanksgiving, the decisions and the determination, the feeding of our faith and the worship and, 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 and not taking matters into our own hands and all of the things that we talk about faith, this is where it coalesces. This is where all of that comes together. It's in prayer. Can you say amen? And it is where breakthrough will come through. In our text, look at this. Look what he says. Once David prayed, once wisdom was given, breakthrough came. And notice, he says, it's like a breakthrough of water. It's literally the picture of a bursting dam. Why is that important to us? Because, see, God doesn't come through just in little ways. God burst through. Amen. And it was through prayer. And it was God allowed it to be by David's hand. He says, it was by my hand that breakthrough came like a burst of water. What does that mean? That means that God is enabling David to bring breakthrough into his life. That he's allowing him to participate in his own answer. Are you hearing what I'm saying? This is important. Because see, God is not the God of not enough or the God of just amount, right amount. God is the God of more than enough. <clears throat> He's the God of exceedingly abundantly above. Now that's either got to be more than a bumper sticker or it's got to be reality in our life. Amen. God's no respecter of person. God doesn't look down and say, well, David, he's a lot better person than you. He doesn't. He loves us all. We are all the children of God. And God says, if you'll do what David did, you will get what David got. Yes. Are you hearing that? Listen, I'm going to go even further. If you do what Jesus did, you will get what Jesus got. You didn't get it. That was a couple of people that went, hmm. If you do what Jesus did, you will see what Jesus saw. You will get what Jesus got. <laughs> I'll, I'll say it again. I just, if you do what Jesus did, you will get what Jesus got. Thank you, Shane. Yeah. Come on. That's what we got to understand. We are children of God. The Bible says this, that you and I, in Romans chapter 8, we are joint heirs with Christ. Yeah. Amen. That means everything he has is mine. Yeah. I work with him. I'm, I'm a co-laborer with Christ. I'm in partnership with him. I'm a child of God. He has given me, John chapter 1, verse 12, says he has given me the right and the privilege to be his son. I am a son of God. You are a son or a daughter of God. We are children of God. Can you say amen? amen. That means that he has invested himself in me, and I have all rights and privileges of his kingdom. But that kingdom operates through principle. And there is a principle through which the kingdom of God operates, and it's called prayer. Jesus said, pray without ceasing. Yes. 
What does that mean? Does that mean that I'm always in the prayer room doing nothing? No, that means that throughout my day, I'm continually talking to Jesus. You say, how does that work? What does that look like? We, We look at things like that and statements like that as if they are foreign, but they are not foreign. Look at any average teenager. They understand this. You say, what do you mean? They will text one another sitting next to each other. There is this constant communication. Now, I'm not saying that's always right, because oftentimes it does bring a barrier, that kind of communication. But the point is, they are in communication, they are in contact with everybody around the world. The thing is, is that we need to be in contact. So as we're driving, as we're going through life, as we're going through our life daily, we should be in contact. Father, what do you want me to do in this situation? Lord, help that guy. You know what? When you're driving down the road and you see somebody, and you you see that they're desperate and they're hurting, take a moment to talk to the Father about that one. You never know. Your prayer may make the difference in that one. When you're in the grocery store or when you come up to a need. You know, we were talking in the office today. Pastor Alex was telling me about a couple that ran out of gas. Out of gas. I mean, the gas tank is bone dry. But she remembered that Jesus said, pray about all things. And so she began to pray and she began to speak to that gas tank. And all of a sudden, where they had nothing, there was a half a tank of gas. I am not sure how that happens. But Jesus made the gas in the first place. It's nothing for him to put it in my tank. You You say, what are you saying? I am saying the impossible is possible with God. But somewhere we have to engage him. Can you say amen? We have to be deliberate. We have to decide that, you know what, God, I am going to pray. And David said, when he did, my breakthrough came through. And it was like a burst of water. It was a breakthrough of a water. It was a dam breaking. How many know when a dam breaks, everything downstream is affected? Yes. But the story doesn't end there. Because <clears throat> in 1 Chronicles 14, 13, <clears throat> it goes on and it says, Then the Philistines once again made a raid on the valley. Therefore David inquired again of God. And God said to him, You shall not go up after them, circle around them, and come upon them in front of the mulberry trees. And it shall be when you hear a sound of marching in the tops of the mulberry trees, then you shall go out to battle. For God has gone on before you to strike the camp of the Philistines. So David did as God commanded, and they drove back the army of the Philistines from Gibeon as far as Gezer. How many know sometimes... The battle or the barriers or the attack we face is persistent. It'll rise its ugly head again. We must be persistent as well. And this is the lesson. God, when the persistent, when the enemy was persistent, God gave a new strategy. Too often what happens, we think, well, I know what to do. I don't really need to pray. I've dealt with this before. I know what to do. I'll do this. But God sometimes wants to change the plan. Sometimes God wants to say, you know what? I got a new way of dealing with this enemy. We're going to do something different. And let me tell you, sometimes what God wants us to do just doesn't make sense. Are you hearing me? 
Can you imagine? Can you imagine David's 300 mighty men? David walks up and they're like, okay, boss, are we going? Are we, are we, are we going to do it? We're ready, man. We're ready to go. Let's get them. David, nope, we're not, we're not doing it this way. We're not doing it that way. What? I'm ready, man. I got, I sharpened my sword, dude. I'm, I'm ready to go. Let's get after it. We can do this. David says, no, I prayed. And God said, we need to wait here until we hear something in the top of a mulberry tree. Huh? What? You want me to what? How many know God has strategies? And God has reasons for what he does. And the best thing to do is not to question it, but accept it. To be obedient. To somewhere say, you know what, God, I trust you. I'm not going to lean to my own understanding, but I'm going to trust you in all my way. You know what, I'm going to do what you said. And if you say stand, I'm going to stand. If you say run, I'm going to run. You say pray, I'm going to pray. If you say worship, I'm going to worship. God, I'm going to do what you asked me to do. But the problem is, church, we think we know better. We think, you know what, I'm going to just do it the way I've always done it. I'll, I'll make another very generalized statement. If you do it the way you've always done it, you will always get what you got. That's right. <laughs> I want something new here. Well, then you've got to do something new. Come on. And so God gives him new strategy. And he says, you know what, I want you to wait. And when you hear... I want you to circle around. I want you to flank them. And then you're going to be able to win. And they chased them all the way to Gezer. I don't know where Gezer is, but I don't want to be there. The reality is God gave them victory upon victory upon victory upon victory. Because David prayed. Obedience takes prayer to a new level to a new level, a new dimension of power. But this is what we forget, church, because prayer is often left as a side note, a last-ditch effort. It's kind of like, well, you know, I guess we probably ought to pray. We say things like, well, all you can do is pray. That's everything, church. That's right. That's everything. You're engaging God. You're bringing him into the situation. You're getting wisdom from him. You're allowing him to move on your behalf. You are now becoming partners with God in your situation. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So listen, let's, let's consider just for a moment the, 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 the power of prayer. Listen to Ephesians chapter 6. Verse 18, I'm reading from the NIV. It says, and, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayer and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. In the Amplified Bible, it says it this way. 
Pray at all times, on every occasion, in every season, in the spirit, with all manner of prayer and entreaty. To that end, keep alert and watch with strong purpose and perseverance, interceding in behalf of all the saints, God's consecrated people. In the message, it says, in the same way, pray, prayer is essential in this ongoing warfare. Pray hard and pray long. Pray for your brothers and sisters. Keep your eyes open. Keep each other's spirits up so that no one falls behind or drops out. In the context of that verse of scripture, Paul has spent considerable amount of time talking about spiritual warfare. He's talked about the armor of God. And he's talked about, it, it, one of the main things he's talked about is he says, you know what? Your battle is not with flesh and blood. Say that. My battle is not with flesh and blood. Say it. You say, why do you have us say that? Because you got to realize your battle is not with your husband or your wife. Your battle is not with me. Your battle is not with your neighbor. Your battle is not with your boss. I know they may be being used. I know that, you know what, the, the enemy may be using them, but your battle is not with them. He says there's a way to overcome this. There's a way to get around this. And he tells us that we're against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, of the spiritual age, and against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. And it tells us that this battle is fought in prayer. Yes. Amen. Why is it, think about this for a moment, why is it we insist on dealing with spiritual matters with physical remedies? You cannot deal with a spiritual problem with a physical remedy. You have to apply spiritual means to a spiritual problem. So what does that mean? That means the battle you are facing right now will be won or lost in the privacy of your prayer life. Amen. Prayer is the underlying power to all that happens spiritually in your life. The lack of it can have severe consequences. The practice of active prayer has dramatic power. Yes. See, we underestimate the power of prayer, church. We under, undervalue, we, we underestimate the importance of prayer. I, I, okay, Maybe you all don't. I do. I'll tell you about something that happened to me. I'll, I'll just give you, I'll be a little vulnerable with you. A while back, I was really convicted. The Lord really began to speak to me about prayer and time and all of that. And, and so I began to make a commitment to God. I said, you know what, God, I really have got to, to deal with this. And so I decided that, you know what, I was going to get up an hour or a half hour earlier every morning and make sure that I got down here and spend time with God. And, and so I began to do that. And man, I had dramatic results. I mean, things, because see, I, to be honest, I know it's hard to think this about me, but I'm really not a morning person. I, you know, I just, I just don't like mornings. I, I, my, you know, things aren't moving in me until about noon. And so, I, you know, I used to always say, well, you know what I'm going to do is, is I, I'm, I'm just going to, you know, I'll just pray in the evening because then things are happening and I'm good to go and all that. But the problem with praying in the evening is I never got to it. Because right. I'd be busy or this would be happening, that would be happening or whatever. And it just never got there. 
But then God began to convict me. He says, you know what, John? He says, I want you to seek first the kingdom of God. There's something about seeking God first. There, you know, it's hard, it's hard to explain this because we really want to water it down, but God really does want to be first. No, no, let me, let me not water it down. God demands that he's first. And he doesn't even apologize for it. He's like, I'm God, I get to be first. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so, you know, and sometimes what happens is we want to put everything else out there. Now, listen, if you pray in the evenings, God's not saying you're an evil sinner, you evildoer, and he's going to strike you with lightning. That's, that's not what's going to happen. You know, somewhere you've got to work that out. But for me in my life, I begin to realize that getting up early in the morning, it was a sacrifice, and it was a sacrifice unto the Lord, and it was something that I did to honor him. And I begin to do that, and as I begin to do that, I begin to notice that there were things that were happening that were beginning to change my life. And it wasn't because there was anything so miraculous about my prayer meetings. It was about the fact that I was finally seeking God first. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so things begin to change. Well, then camp came. And so there was a hundred little kids out the front door of my prayer room every morning when I'm praying. And you know what, little kids, when they're little, they bang on everything. They yell, they scream, they pound it on the door and this and that. And, you know, I found myself getting more irritated and more irritated. And, and it's like, shut up. And then you would think in a building 33,500 square feet that there would be a private place. But there's not because people just keep walking in and, you know, all this stuff. And hey, praise God, I'm not against that. But, you know, somewhere I want some privacy. And so that week I really struggled. I really struggled and so my prayer time was small because by the time you know it's like okay God I can't do this I can't even think well then Monday came camp was over Monday came and I'm a good boss so I gave everybody the day off we closed the office well, Kathy and I, you know, I'm not a morning person, so we slept in. And so I got up and, and we went and had breakfast and that was good. And then we went and did this and did that. And before you know it, it's seven o'clock at night and no prayer. It's like, well, you know what, God, you're a good God. You're a God, God of grace and mercy. And, you know, hey, sorry. Well, then Tuesday rolled around. Tuesday rolled around and it was like, Man, I, just, I was so tired. I'm laying there in bed and I'm like, oh my God, please somebody open my eyes. And I couldn't open my eyes. Now Wednesday, Wednesday was like all hell got loose. And it became an extremely difficult day. And I remember sitting in my office and I am like gritting my teeth. So I'm gritting my teeth that my cheeks are turning red and I'm like, ugh. And finally, I said, God, what's up? He went, you left me, man. I, he goes, I'm still waiting. I'm, I'm, I'm right where I said I would be. You, you decide to go on a different route. Now, I know, church, listen, I know that can sound real religious. But that's, when you can make it religious. But listen, I'm talking about relationship. See, I don't forget my wife. I, I don't wake up in the morning and go, hey, baby, we ain't talking because it's morning and I'm not a morning person. <laughs> 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 
ain't, it, I don't even know where I'm in the notes anymore, so it's, I, somebody needs to hear this, I guess. Maybe it's me. You just, may, maybe you all just witnessing my conviction. I don't know. But what we do is we underestimate it and we forget that it changes everything. And you know, when we talk about faith and we love that, we, we're faith people and we want that, but it's in prayer that all that stuff of faith begins to come together. It's that place where we begin to mine that out in that vital living relationship with the Father in heaven. And it's where we begin to talk and we begin to communicate with him and he begins to talk to us and he gives us strategies and he opens our minds and our hearts. And it's through that prayer that things begin to change. Can you say amen? amen. David put it this way in Psalms 55. He says, as for me, I will call upon God and the Lord shall save me. Evening, morning, and at noon, I will pray and cry aloud and he shall hear my voice. He has redeemed my soul in peace from battle that was against me, for there were many against me. Listen to what he's saying. God, this morning, is waiting, longing to hear from you. How many understand that the church was born, not in a clever sermon, but in a prayer meeting? In Acts chapter 1, 14 says, these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. And it was through that that the Holy Spirit was poured out and the New Testament church was born. In a prayer meeting. One man put it this way. He said, you will know how popular a, past, or a church is by the attendance on Sunday morning. He says, you'll know how popular a pastor is by the attendance on Sunday evening. And then you'll know how popular God is by the attendance at the prayer meeting. Amen. Amen. This is not an indictment. It's an encouragement. God has given you such a weapon that guarantees success. God said, all my promises are yes and amen. amen. We engage those promises through prayer in faith. Amen. Are you hearing what I'm saying? As I bring this to a close this morning, I just want you to understand That if we'll pray, if we'll get a hold of God, and I mean not, not just the cursory, hey, God, thanks, and out of here, but I'm talking about have a conversation with God. Be deliberate. Stretch ourselves. Put ourselves in a position where we pray. Not only will you see major things begin to change in you, you will see major things change around you. Because prayer is not so much what happens in us but it's what happens around us. Are you hearing what I'm saying? God wants to move. God wants to move in your life. I'm telling you, he does. Sometimes that's hard to see, church. 
Sometimes we're so clouded, our vision is clouded by so many different things where the battle and the difficulties and all of that cloud our view. And it's hard to see that the promises of God are really there for us. And the only time that we can get those cobwebs and that fog and that cloudedness out of us is by spending time alone. That's why Jesus said, Jesus was the son of God. Yet he, was in, he lived in the flesh and he had human characteristics and he was subject to those characteristics. And as a human being, he had to go get alone with the father. He had to talk to him. Jesus said to his disciples, he said, could you not pray and watch for one hour? He said, if you will, it'll keep you from temptation. It'll help you. The challenge is still there today. And I believe as I look around the room today that there are people here that desperately need a move of God. You need it. This church needs desperately a move of God. And we need to pray. Can you say amen? Bow your heads with me for a moment. Father, we love you. We praise you. We thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you that you have given us this revelation, God, that you've given us truth. Father, I pray for every person in this room today that they would be caught, captivated. Lord, that you would birth a passion and a desire in them for prayer. That they say, you know what, I got to get alone with you, God. I got I to gotta find my place in you. Lord, that they'll make room for you, that they'll make time for you. Father, as we go through this series, I pray that you help us to, to, to truly learn and see the power of this in our lives. And Father, we give you all the glory and all the honor. I wonder today as every head is bowed, every eye is closed, if you're here and you say, I don't know Jesus as my Savior, I'm not right with God. If that's you, would you lift your hands today? Would you lift it up and say, that's me, Pastor. I, I need Jesus in my life. Amen. I see that hand. Someone else. Maybe you're... Amen, I see that hand. Someone else today, you need Jesus. Maybe at one time you walked with him, but today you find yourself out of relationship with him. If that's you, would you lift your hand and say, I want to rededicate my life. Amen, I see those hands. Amen. Praise God, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Would you all pray this prayer with me? And those that raise their hand, I want you to pray this prayer. I want you to say, Lord Jesus, I ask you, to come into my life to be my Lord and my Savior I believe you died and rose again to save me from my sin I give it to you and I receive your forgiveness in Jesus name Amen I'm going to ask, before you stand, I'm going to ask our prayer team to come up. Don't move around yet, just, just our prayer team. So now if you raised your hand, if those that raised your hand, there are these that are up here today. And what I want you to do is if you raised your hand for rededication or salvation, as we begin to dismiss, I want you to come up and let them know and let them pray with you again. Let them know that you gave your life to Jesus. Let them know that that you want more of him. Don't, don't, don't let this go by, but come forward. Let that happen. So let's stand to our feet. We're gonna release you, let you go. God bless you today. 
You guys have a great and wonderful afternoon. We will see you next week. Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.